Sun Life Community Church came into being as the result of a compelling vision for a different kind of church, interested in what we call the Sun Life, experiencing and sharing the life of God's Son. Perhaps your heart is burdened these days. We invite you to allow the Word of God through the words of this message to bring rest to your soul and joy to your heart. Heavenly Father, we're about to open your word. And over these weeks ahead, we're especially looking at words that came from the very mouth of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior. And we pray that his glory would be revealed. We pray that his goodness would be seen. We pray that the things he wanted us to know, we would in fact, by your Holy Spirit, learn. And then actually implement in our lives. We ask you that for this message right now today, praying in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you know, last week, uh, the second Sunday of this brand new year, we started a brand new series of messages that I am calling Red Letter Living. Now, it's subtitled, Putting the Teachings of Jesus into Practice. The letters in red in the New Testament, the words of Jesus. How do we look at them, understand them, and then put them into practice? Now, let me remind you of the key scripture that underlies and motivates this effort. This key scripture that we shared last week for the whole series is Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, the very first things the writer of the epistle to the Hebrews said. And by the way, Hebrews... If you don't pick up on it or already know it by its very title, Hebrews is the book, the letter written by a Jew, we don't know who, written by a Jew in the first century to the Jewish people. So if you ever wanted to ask an intriguing question, maybe an ice-breaking question to a friend of yours who might happen to be Jewish, you could ask this question. Do you know that there's a book in the New Testament that is written specifically to the Jewish people. Maybe that would launch into a a little bit of a discussion, but it's the book of Hebrews. The epistle, the letter written to the Hebrews. Here's how that book begins. Verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times, And any Jewish person who has any knowledge of his own faith and and history would be able to think of immediately a number of those prophets. says, yes, God spoke through Isaiah. God spoke through Jeremiah. God spoke through all of these that I've heard about as I was growing up. And this verse affirms that. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, now unfortunately the Jewish man would have to say he quit speaking. We live on the words of the prophets. We understand the words of the prophets. We are still building our faith around the the teaching of the prophets. But here's what the writer of the letter to the Hebrews said. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us 
by his Son. You see, Jesus Christ himself is God's final and most complete word to mankind, especially to the Jewish people, the children of Abraham. Therefore, the words of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, are the most important words ever spoken on this earth and the most noteworthy worthy teachings ever given. Here's what Jesus himself said about them, his words and his teachings. And notice, as we put them before you today, they're in red. Here we go, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, this is Jesus speaking, will be like a man who built his house on the rock. That's another verse we shared last week. It's kind of a foundational verse to this entire series. Why are we going to pay such attention to the words of Jesus? Well, here's Jesus telling us why. Because if we hear his words, and if we put them into practice, we will be like a person who's built a house on the rock. Our life will have a rock-like character to it. Nothing will be able to shake us, destroy us, defeat us. Now that's exactly what I want us to do as we enter into this new year. I want us to hear. That is to identify and revere the words of Jesus and to find ways to build our lives upon them. That is to put them really into practice so that our lives will possess a rock-like character in the midst of this unsettled world of ours. Now, our messages will focus upon the words, the teachings of Jesus, the ones that used to be commonly printed in red letters in our Bibles, and they will seek to reveal ways, our messages will, seek to reveal ways that these words or teachings of Jesus can be incorporated successfully into our daily living. Thus, the title of the message, the series, Red Letter Living. Now, as I mentioned last week, the first step is to immerse our lives in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because that's where the red letters are found. And we need to remind ourselves or to newly discover what Jesus himself actually said. Now, last week, I suggested of those four Gospels that you start with the Gospel of Mark. Not because it has a great name, but basically because it's a mirror image of Matthew and Luke, and it's the shortest one. And it focuses its attention, all of its attention, upon the actual earthly ministry of Jesus. In the Gospel of Mark, there is no genealogy given. It doesn't trace Jesus all the way, all the way back to Adam or to David. There's no birth story. Not much background information at all. Just the record of Jesus. Words and works. Now, I read the, through the whole thing myself this week. Of course, I should have. I recommended it to you. But I was delighted as you responded in various ways this week. I was delighted how many of you chose to do the same. We've read through the Gospel of Mark. Now, here's the scripture with which we begin our quest. And naturally, appropriately, for this message today, it's taken from, it's found in the Gospel of 
Mark. And here it is, today's key scripture in red. Mark 3, 31. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words, Jesus speaking, but my words, red letter words, shall never pass away. Now that's the single and the simple statement, the one statement we're going to focus on this morning. A teaching, a statement, a truth shared by Jesus himself. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will never pass away. Out of that life state, that key scripture, arise two key concepts and then two life-stabilizing practices. How do we put what we learned this morning into practice? We'll discuss that. Here's the first key concept, though. Today's first key concept growing out of that scripture is this. Everything around me, so we personalize it. Everything around me, you say it and put your name in it. Everything around me is temporary and transitory and possibly even imaginary. For instance, take science. Nothing is settled in science. One hypothesis or theory is forever being challenged and replaced by another. So many kids go through school having read science books that now are in the trash. So many science teachers can begin a lecture by saying, almost like Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus said, it has been said, but I say to you. A lot of school science teachers have to say, well, people have always believed, and when I taught my class last year, I said, but now I say, that's all wrong. There's a brand new theory. You see, one hypothesis or theory is forever being challenged or replaced by another. How about history? Nothing is settled in history. <laughs> this last year especially, we've learned a sad truth that some people try to remind us of, and it's been used again and again as a, as a knock on history, is that the victors write the history. So if I'm part of the winning team, I get to write the history book, and naturally I'm going to promote my team since we won, and I'm going to say things about you and your team that uh, is the way I look at it. Nothing is settled in history. Man doesn't have a clue about most of what has even happened on this earth. That's one of the amazing things about Facebook. You go down through Facebook and there's always things that pop up about ancient origins or ancient stories. And they tell you about something they just dug up out of the ground. They said, we had no idea these people that long ago were this sophisticated. In other words, our history has been wrong. We don't really know. One of my personal desires, whether God grants it to me or not, or whether that desire even transitions across the uh, earth, heaven, 
barrier, I don't know. But one of my desires at this time to spend maybe the first couple thousand years in heaven is I would like to review what all has gone on on this earth. All the great civilizations from the past, who were they? What did they do? How did these things get built? Who was the first? There's just so much of what we call history that is just absolutely unknown. And even in our own country, we're having people try to rewrite what actually did happen, maybe even during our own lifetimes. And we say, that's not right, but it's being written. So history, nothing's settled. It just happens to be who has the pen. Politics. Nothing is settled in politics. Politics, by its very nature, is given to unlikely and distasteful alliances. You find people hooking up in politics. Used to be said, politics makes very strange bedfellows. You wind up with people sleeping together, politically speaking, who detest each other. But politics, uh, you know, you might be on this side today, but you have a different partnership tomorrow. Nothing's settled in politics. Economics, nothing is settled in economics. Every economic system has those who swear by it and those who swear at it. Human relationships, nothing is settled in human relationships. The most seemingly solid sadly saying, can disintegrate, and sometimes does. Physiologically, that is the very physical nature that, that, we, uh, uh, that identify us. Physiologically, nothing is settled. Birth certificates are altered, as are human bodies. For most of human history, you would have thought it was a comedian speaking who said, you know, I just went back and and altered my birth certificate. Do you believe on my birth certificate says I was born a female? Look at me. Had to change it because I changed me. How weird is that? But in our day and age, even people are not settled with their their own physical being. Cosmically, nothing is settled. The Bible says the heavens themselves and earth itself shall pass away. This is not forever. So that's what Jesus said. Heaven and earth shall pass away. Nothing is settled. Nothing is permanent. So how can I put that teachings of Jesus, that teaching, into practice and thus bring some rock-like character to my life? Well, here's what I'm suggesting. Today's first key, life-stabilizing practice. Something to do that will build upon the words of Jesus and add stability to our lives. Here we say it this way. Since everything around me, still keep it personal, since everything around me is temporary and transitory and possibly even imaginary, like made up, I will put my trust in none of it. That's a practice of life that we can adopt recognizing the truth of what Jesus had said. 
I will put my trust in none of it. And when we say that, when I say that, I will put my trust, my full trust, my reliance in none of these things that I know in my heart pass away. It might not be the same tomorrow as they are today. I am not being cynical. And we're not asking any of you to be cynical. To say, you can't believe anything. It's all just a bunch of baloney. You're not being cynical. What you're being is biblical. We need to be biblical. Oh, really? That should be a more and more practiced response to the things we read and hear. Oh, really? No matter what is being said, reported or promoted, it in time will either be proven to be incorrect or ineffective or simply exchanged for the next thing. Don't be found putting your trust in it or in those who espouse it. Now here's another thing. Don't invest time and energy in seeking out those who will explain this fallen world to you. Don't give in to the urge to follow some expert down a rabbit hole into some wonderland of their own making. Linda and I were given an opportunity to do that just this week. Linda was sent by someone who shall remain unknown and unmentioned, a video. She says, you got to watch this. you got to watch this. Okay, so having lunch on Monday, sitting outside in the beautiful sunshine that we, we were enjoying at that moment, Linda brings up this video on her, on her phone, and we watch it. And as we turn it on, here was a pudgy, bearded, part-time prophet and evangelist sitting in the front seat of his truck somewhere, speaking with incredible conviction and giving off an incredible aura of insight and authority. By his own admission, because he looked at his, his camera as he's doing this, by his own admission, he had a mere 100 followers tuned in while he spoke this message that our friend said, you must hear. Now, of course, he anticipated that all hundred of those listening in were going to forward that message to a hundred each, and, and then if that hundred would do the same, why, in a matter of time, he could have a million folks who'd listened to his message. Now, the purpose of his somewhat surreptitious broadcast was to inform us that we should be preparing ourselves to handle life on our own for a period of time. Because, in, because within the next three days, based upon his absolutely undeniable inside information that had been shared with him by his sources, within the next three days, the President of the United States would be declaring martial law and everything in this country would come to a screeching halt. He sent the initial video this past Sunday. We watched it on Monday, and if my math is correct, the third day was Wednesday. Now, Linda and I have pretty much given up watching uh, the news in any regular fashion, but to my knowledge, 
martial law has not been declared, and the United States Constitution has not been suspended this week, and yet the chances are good that this would-be prophet, this self-proclaimed spokesman for God, wound up with his desired million Americans, mostly believers, holding their collective breath all week long and emptying the shelves of their local stores of all essential supplies, including, he said, bullets for their guns. And by today, even if they gave him the benefit of the doubt on Thursday and Friday and even yesterday, surely by today, most likely all of them are feeling like they had been duped. And you know what? They had been. And as for the would-be prophet, he's probably busily producing his next video announcement. You see, putting Jesus' words that all heaven and earth will pass away, putting them into practice in this regard means that we recognize the nature of the world around us and the nature of the people in it and that we put our full and final trust in none of it. Oh, really? Like I said, even watching the video, even when somebody tells you something of a you know, profound, drastic, hardly known by no one news, just say, oh, really? You don't have to say you agree. You don't have to say you disagree. Oh, really just means I'm suspending my final acceptance of what I'm hearing. Oh, really should be our initial response to whatever news from whatever realm concerning whatever topic is shared with us. Remember the Bereans? Some of you really good Bible scholars would know them, remember them. They are mentioned in the book of Acts chapter 17. We are told that the Bereans, living in the city of Berea, were more noble, more wise than the Thessalonians. Because it says when Paul went to Berea and began to preach this revolutionary gospel, and talk about Jesus Christ being raised from the dead, and Jesus Christ being God's Messiah, and Jesus Christ being the Savior of the world, we are told that the Bereans, Acts 17 says, now being more noble, it's kind of a put down to the Thessalonians, who we admire, it says the Bereans checked everything Paul said with the Scriptures. They didn't even take the words of the Apostle Paul at face value. But they checked the scriptures to make sure that what he was preaching and teaching was biblically sound. We need to take them as our heroes. Consider with me now, though, today's second key concept, and here it is. The words of Jesus, however, possess eternal quality and significance. They will never pass away or lose their luster. That certainly was the view held by King David of old. He said in Psalm 119, verse 89, Your word, O Lord, is eternal. 
all the Jews today, if they or anyone would hang on the words written by David in the Psalms and, and the accounts of his life, hang on to them. They're the word of God. And the word, O oh Lord, even that which had been revealed only up until maybe 900 years before the birth of Christ. David says those words, if God said it, he's not changing it. Your words, O Lord, are eternal. Your word stands firm in the heavens. Now, Jesus was personalizing powerfully David's words with these words of his own that make up today's key scripture. Jesus then said, my words. And by the way, in the beginning was the word, which is Jesus Christ. So the very words that David clutched to his heart were actually words given in conjunction with Jesus himself. Jesus then says, though, in his own day, my word shall never pass away. Now, here's something interesting that happened to me last week after I announced our Red Letter Living series. Somebody came up to me and showed me their Bible that did have the red letters. It was a contemporary, a current one. And I, I looked right away when Linda gave me this one to see it's not true of this one, but it was true of that one. And here's what was true of it. I was amazed to see how faint the red letter ink was. I mean, it was almost like pink. It's like, oh yeah, that's, yeah, they are highlighting those words, but they're not kind of the dark red ink that jumps off the page at you that says, you must listen to this. These are important. And I thought to myself, it was almost like the publisher who chose that mildly red ink. It was almost like he was inadvertently showing how little significance Jesus' words actually have today to many. We're still printing the book. We're still putting his words in red, but boy, they're not big, bold red words. They're just, you know, it's because it's sort of traditional, so we'll, we'll still do that. But unless you look close, you could hardly tell the letters were any different. It was almost like the publisher was saying, you know, people don't clutch onto the words of Jesus the way they used to. And so we're not going to overdo it here, even in our red letter edition. You see, those who are as biblically alert and committed as the Bereans are found passionately declaring the biblically correct view is that the words of Jesus possess eternal quality and significance. They will never pass away or lose their luster. That second key concept leads to this second key life-stabilizing practice. If Jesus' words will not pass away, how do I put that truth into play, into practice in my life? And so I suggest this. Since Jesus' words will never pass away, I will build my life upon them and around them. I will put my trust entirely 
in them. Now, I told you, I've told you over the years, as I was growing up, a, a favorite question of my mother interrogating me when a situation came up, a behavioral situation, and maybe I was trying to decide what I should do or what I should do. I've told you, my mother would always say, well, Mark, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Well, a bit of a refinement of that question is this. What specifically did Jesus say? Now, that question implies these three. This question, do you know what Jesus said? Second, do you know that you can put your trust in what he said and that you can build your life upon and around his teachings? And third implied question is this, is it your desire to do that? Do you know what Jesus actually said is it, do you know that you can put your trust in what he said because it'll be as true tomorrow as it was 2,000 years ago? And do you know you can build your life around and upon his teachings? And is it your desire to actually do that? So knowing and putting the teachings of Jesus into practice happens as we make these four very personal commitments, and I, I recommend them to you even as I do to myself. Here's the first one. Obviously, I will read them. I will read the words of Jesus. You see, reading the Gospels for most of us is like watching an old familiar movie. We think we know it forwards and backwards, but as we watch, we are struck with how much we had forgotten, and we usually are reminded why it is we love that movie in the first place. When we're done, we find ourselves freshly armed with all those movie lines that wind up fitting into so many real-life situations. We can read the Gospels like that and rearm ourselves where we find ourselves saying again and again, you know, Jesus said. You know, Jesus said. You know, Jesus once said. And we might be saying that to ourselves when we need some counsel, or we might be saying it to somebody around us. But first, we, we must commit ourselves. I will read them, the Gospels, the words of Jesus, the words in red. Then secondly, I will ask Numa to help me understand them. Because as we read through the Gospels, we'll discover that many times there are layers to Jesus' words and teachings. Frequently, his own disciples had to ask him, what do you mean? What do you mean? What are you talking about, really? What's the issue here? Jesus promised them, and the same promise comes to us. Jesus promised them that the Holy Spirit would continue to enlighten them, even after he was gone. He would guide them into all truth and understanding. And the Spirit still does that. So as we read the Gospels, there will be things in there that cause us to, to wonder, what's Jesus getting at here? 
What is he meaning here? How does this apply? And so we have the Spirit with us. I will ask the Spirit, I will ask Numa to help me understand them. Thirdly, I will watch for opportunities to put them into practice. And those of us who've been walking consciously with the Spirit for a while, hearing and feeling Numa's nudges on a regular basis, we know how very good Numa is at sensitizing us to those very opportunities when they arise. We find ourselves thinking or saying, this is the exact situation that, that Jesus was in when he said, this is the exact situation Jesus was talking about when he said, and Numa will say, yes, it is. Yes, it is. So you remember what he said. This is a situation like that. This is what he was talking about. So guess what? Put his words to work. Act upon what he said and do what he said. And, uh, and Numa is very, very good at that. And he'll even give us the strength and the ability to do it. Whatever it was Jesus said. Now, the fourth thing, I will read them. I will ask Numa to help me understand them. I will watch for opportunities to put them into practice. I will share them with others. You see, realizing that the words of Jesus can be put into practice and sensing the stability that comes to us when we do so, almost automatically, this causes us to share the good news. Because all of a sudden you have a testimony. All of a sudden you have your own story. All of a sudden you say, boy, I, ju I just got to tell you, it's the most amazing thing. I was in this situation yesterday, and right in the middle of that situation, I remembered something that Jesus said. It was like the Holy Spirit was almost speaking right out loud in my ear. I remembered what he said, and I realized, this is the time. This, this is where that applies. And, you know, I applied what Jesus said in that and, and it might have been a situation I was tempted to be anxious about. And it's like I just, I just kind of calmed down. It changed my perspective. Or it gave me a place to stand. It gave me a thing to do. It gave me an action to take. It gave me an understanding of what I was caught up in. And, oh, man, it was awesome. You see, that's, that's testimony. That's sharing the real deal with somebody. That's not reading a verse in the Bible, finding our best friend that we have kind of a gripe with, hitting them over the head. You know what I read in the Bible today? Boy, do you need to get your act together. No, that's not the kind of sharing I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of sharing I just enacted for you, where we find the words of Jesus to be so meaningful and so productive and so applicable to our circumstance that as we apply them, we find deep in our heart just a settledness and a joy and a feeling that the Spirit has walked us right into and a few steps further down the path that Jesus himself walked while he was here. And you can't help sharing that with delight. And hopefully the person you're talking to can say, I know what you mean. Isn't it amazing how the words of Jesus Christ are eternal 
and they never lose. They never pass away or lose their luster. They almost glow on the page. See, this is red letter living. And so now, in light of today's red letter words, consider this final thought. Living in light of things eternal and unchanging is the only way to survive a world that is temporary and transitory and maybe even at times, and maybe most of the time, what we're hearing, imaginary. Made up within the minds of men and presented in ways that are not consistent with God's truth and we should have nothing to do with trusting it. Amen? Oh, Heavenly Father, now we, how we praise you. We, we are the blessed generation. We, we are the most privileged people on earth living during the days when the word of God can be purchased at a store, when the word of God can be held in our hand, when the word of God can be highlighted and underlined and read and reread and memorized and, and, and understood even by the work of the Holy Spirit. Father, how blessed we are. We pray that as we engage in red-letter living, the world will see what the life of Christ looks like, what the truth of Christ sounds like, and there will be a, a bursting out of great, great work in our midst. Father, the common people heard Jesus gladly. May we show that we are common people by when we open the Gospels and read Jesus' words, we hear them gladly and we take them to heart and we allow your Holy Spirit who gave them to apply them in our lives and we discover a rock-like character to our lives. Even as we live in the midst of a world that is falling apart in so many ways. So bless us, bless this church, make us a blessing to those around. For we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.